Hello and welcome back to another episode of No Days Off. I'm your host, Wyatt. And firstly and mainly, I owe an apology for the lack of, uh, of, of episodes that I've done. For a show named No Days Off, uh, I took some days off. In fact, I took a lot of days off. I think the last episode I did was far back in May uh, or so, right after the NFL draft. And since then, I've just kind of like coasted along with the regular podcast. But I'm back, baby. It's over. The break is over. We're back with another episode. Today, we're going to be talking about Deshaun Watson's suspension appeal, the Kyler Murray's retracted contract clause, and Trey Lance's expectations going into this season. Before we do that, of course, we're just going to take a short trip through the news that we missed. Obviously, there's a lot of camp news of guys like George Pickens having breakout. Kadarius Toney, don't sleep on him, having a breakout year. Uh, C.D. Lamb going to have a breakout year. Uh, fun stuff. I don't exactly hold too much merit into those claims. Uh, obviously, we watch things on film. The Dolphins love to circulate that one clip of Tua throwing a 65-yard bomb to Tyreek Hill. It's the only clip they got. It's just at different angles. So one one clip is from far away in the stands. Another one is a slow motion one with some uh, little video editing to it. Uh, They're only going to show the good stuff. Only the good stuff is ever going to come out of camp. People throw picks all the time. It's the point of practice is to try to do things that you're uncomfortable with, which may result in things like interceptions, dropped passes, messed up plays, bad routes, those type of things. You can't really hold a whole lot of merit to it. The one thing you can hold merit to is Trevor Penning getting thrown out of practice after three days worth of consecutive fights. Coming into the draft, I was actually pretty high, I guess you could say, on Trevor Penning. I thought he would have been, and should have been, a first-round left tackle. I thought compared to uh, Akim Aquano, he was the next up in the nasty category of a guy who I believed was a strong, vicious, nose-down type tackle who would kind of put your face to the dirt, spit on you while you're down, and not apologize about it. I, I did appreciate that about his game. Uh, but then, you know, you kind of look into it that he was the most penalized player in college football last year. And then now that he is starting fights in practice with his own team is a little, it's a bridge too far. It's a little bit ridiculous to, to, to hear those things come out about him. So I don't, when, when it comes to Trevor Penny, maybe he'll wake up tomorrow and he'll be like, I, I messed up. I, I can't be fighting with these guys all the time. You, you can't be doing things after the whistle in practice against your defense. Cause that's not really the point. Of all of that. Between the whistles, you can be nasty and pancake somebody. But that becomes that's part of practice. That's part of being good at your job. When you're pushing people afterwards, you've completely lost touch. And you're just kind of you're just bad. So I mean I hope look, I hope he's good. I actually was rooting for him. I as much as I have uh have crapped on the Saints over the last couple of episodes and their perspective of where they are. Uh, I I do hope that they're good because I root for guys like Jameis and uh, Michael Thomas, Ohio State guy. Of course, you know I, I'd like to see them do good. Chris Olave, another Ohio State guy. And then lastly, the Dolphins were officially 
convicted as guilty basically for their conspiracy with Tom Brady and Sean Payton and trying to bring them from their teams while while they're under contract, bring them from their teams over to the Dolphins. Which is like this such bizarre la la land that the owner of the Dolphins lives in that he was like, you know what? I'm going to go out and get Sean Payton and Tom Brady. And I'm not necessarily mad. Like it, uh, under the CBA and under the rules, team or players cannot be penalized for another team reaching out to them. And I kind of made a bit stink about it with Tom Brady and that it's, it's ruled off as like, it's classic Tom just being Tom. Look at him. He's so fresh and his perspective on life is so brand new since he left new England. And you would expect me to come on here and tell rip Tom Brady a new one basically and say that he has given up on his team. But I think it's just more on the dolphins being so dumb. Like, they're a bad franchise. They're dumb when it comes to the things that they do. You cannot, as an owner, try to get players and other coaches under contract. I know that if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. But that is, by far, the most blatant cross line in the NFL, like, as far as rules go. When it it comes to things that you can and can't do, it is clear as day. You cannot go out and try to get Tom Brady from the last four years while he was back in New England, under contract there, and Sean Payton, who had a couple years left on his deal. I mean, it also proves that the Tom Brady retirement was a complete sham in order to find his way over to Miami. And it might get, like, Sean Payton retired this summer as well. There, there might be some merit into Tom, or Sean Payton's retiring to get into Miami as well. I don't, it, look, it's just, it's, it's such a bad look. Of course they were fined a 2023 first round pick and it looks way worse and it, it makes them way dumber as a franchise because they they got neither of them. So it's just what, what a silly world that the owner of the dolphins lives in. And now officially into our first topic, the NFL has decided to appeal the suspension that judge Sue Robinson under her review of the case uh, gave the initial ruling of the case was that it would be six games. And after the NFL appeals, they appeal back to themselves. So either Roger Goodell or whoever Roger Goodell assigns to the case gets to rule out the final suspension of the case. I believe Deshaun Watson is guilty of his serial sexual assault allegations. We as a general public, and it's we, we the people, not we myself. As the general public tend to not believe women in major cases of sexual assault, especially when those assault cases are against people of uh, incredible power in affluence, like a professional athlete. It happened to Ezekiel Elliott. It's happened to Ben Roethlisberger. It has happened to Kobe Bryant. It's happening to Deshaun Watson now. And they're not all equal cases, but it, it, it basically gets ruled down by the public that they just want money. They're just exploiting the player. They're these greedy women who are jealous because this player is so popular and they just want in on it. I I believe that this Deshaun Watson case has been approached with a level of delicacy that it does that he does not deserve. He is I, I think no, I think he is a serial sexual sexual assault offender. He has used his power 
he has used his his name and notoriety against these women in order to coerce them into working with him and then eventually try to exploit them in ways of that they did not consent to between whether or not he had ex- exposed himself to them whether or not he he physically ejaculated onto these women he had used his power in his presence to exploit the women into doing these things at, his, at what he believed to be was his own free will. This is not your typical he said, she said type case that we've seen against other athletes before. This is a two dozen different women case across multiple counties with similar stories coming forward against Watson. And I don't believe that this is the largest conspiracy in history and criminal justice that we have ever seen. Uh, in, in cases, in regular cases of American justice and the American justice system, I can stand by having a clear and definite amount of evidence to both cr- criminally convict and strip away someone's freedom as a person to lock them up behind bars over the course of several years. But for the NFL, he was not con- con- criminally convicted. And just looking at it from the NFL's perspective, as a, as, a, as a person perspective, the sheer numbered game would suggest, after Watson seeing 66 different women over 40, 17 months, and over 40 of those women having shared similar stories that the other 24 women who, who are accusing him and, and going to court with Deshaun Watson, they had shared similar experiences with Watson. You know, I don't believe that that was all just... They all got together and they all decided to share, uh, uh, create a similar story. Like they, these are different timelines. 66 women, 40, or 40 of them had a story. And he settled with them, which I believe is an omission of guilt, with all of them but one. I, under the ruling of the judge, they had said that without a doubt they had proved Watson had multiple violations against uh, the NFL's rules of conduct. After speaking with four of the women, she had come to the conclusion that Watson had repeated egregious behavior against these women. And Watson and his team were so adamant that these were faceless accusations that had no merit to them and that under no circumstance they would settle. Well, they did. They, in, the, in public, they have backtracked and said, well, happy endings aren't essentially illegal. Okay. And they settled. And he's shown no remorse. And they have come out publicly and they said, we do not believe Watson has done anything wrong. There is no apology. There is no admission of guilt. There is no sorrow from Watson. And when I'm the NFL, looking at this, you do not operate under the same level of circumstance that the criminal justice system does. Calvin Ridley and DeAndre Hopkins are two completely separate and detached issues that are often getting roped into the conversation with Deshaun Watson. But those two are more black and white within the rule book uh, than Watson's is. It, it's, it, it feels really trivial when you look at Watson's, or Ridley's case and say that he was suspended for a year over $1,500 worth of gambling uh, when he wasn't even playing and, you know, he, he picked his team to win. It, it seems like there's nothing wrong. 
But but quite frankly, you cannot have active players gambling on games in any capacity whatsoever. Whether that was $1, whether that was a million dollars, or the $1,500 Ridley did, there's no way the NFL can let that slide. And that's black and white. You do a, The rule says, if you gamble, you get this many games. And DeAndre Hopkins, he was over the threshold of an illegal PED, and he said that he it was so little, and it was like this deer tranquilizer that it, it feels ridiculous, right? But the clear rule says that if if he had PEDs, he would get suspended for six games. And as it stands right now at the six-game mark, it, it's way too less for Watson, and he will lose a total of 300 or so thousand dollars given the structure of his contract. He, he will basically miss a third of the season, as it stands right now, with $300,000 of his $46 million that he will be making this year between his signing bonus and his base contract, he will lose three hundred of it, $300,000 of it. It'll be not less than a slap on the wrist, probably the equivalent to a stern talking to between you and like a parent. This is a matter now of public perception and precedence going forward for the NFL. If the NFL decides to go, and, they, and it's been reported that they wanted a year, and just to be clear, the judge's ruling is not the official ruling of the NFL. It, it comes out in the headline, NFL suspends Watson for six games, which is not exactly the case. This is the first time that they have gone to an individual, uh, a separate arbiter to decide that this ca- what this case is. And she had come to her conclusion of rulings based off of cases against women in previous cases before that the that Roger Goodell has ruled down on himself. But this is this is a case that we have never seen before. And and it's a question of whether the NFL will come out and basically say we believe these women on their claims against Watson's egregious behavior and he will be suspended for what we think is a fair suspension of 1 year, right? And will they, going forward, will they set a standard for cases of players and owners against women? Because they, they they're going to have some things come up. Dan Snyder, the owner of the Washington Commanders, is going to have a case of things come up against him. Uh, similar to things where he was having issues with his cheerleaders. Um, there was many of other cases of sloppy behavior between people within the facility and women within the facility. Uh, just pr- basically su- incredibly inappropriate things that have happened under Snyder's rule of the Washington Commanders. And they will get investigated and it will get brought up. And the NFL will then have to make another choice based off of that as well. And what they decide to do with Deshaun Watson's case will basically be the guideline for the cases going forward. Deshaun Watson, to me, is disgusting. And I hope that the Cleveland Browns, and I hope Deshaun Watson, suffer a very serious penalty for this, severely more than the one that they've gotten so far. $300,000 in six games is bullshit. I want 12, I want not 12 games, I want an entire year's worth in 15 to $25 million worth of suspension or worth of uh, of fines and things. And it's just my personal opinion. 
But I'm here to give my personal opinion. And I think it's bullshit that Deshaun Watson will get to sexually assault over, you know, 40 or so women and get to walk away with it like nothing had ever happened. He does not deserve the delicacy or the forgiveness that I think that the public has has allowed him to have just because we don't want to talk about it. Kyler Murray got a contract. We talked about it on our main show, the the five-man lunch pill guy show. He he got a contract extension with the Arizona Cardinals. And within that contract extension, it was leaked that Kyler Murray had to do four hours of independent study away from the facility, away from coaches and mandatory meetings, a, a film study by himself, basically. Like he he could not, he had to be no second screens, no video games, couldn't do it while watching a movie. He couldn't. He, he would have to dedicate himself to watching film. And of course, it got a ton of backlash. It is like the homework clause where his parents would have had to sign off on his reading logs. You know, I made a joke that, you know, it, it's almost like, oh, if he does it throughout the entire year, they'll give him a pizza party. It's trivial. It's it's like they're treating him like a child. And they've since re- they've retracted their contract clause for Murray's uh, homework agreement. Uh, and he had to hold an unscheduled press conference to defend himself and and then of course review his resume publicly the he he talked about his high school experience he talked about him in college going winning the Heisman and going number 1 overall getting drafted into baseball um and then he kind of barely mentioned his success in the NFL cuz there's not many but the tube is already out of the toothpaste the the cat is already out of the bag, so to speak, on what the Cardinals think of Kyler Murray. I agree with Murray that he would not have accomplished everything he has accomplished so far without a little bit of self-perseverance and dedication to the game of football. Murray, I don't believe, is the most talented quarterback we have ever seen in football history. So you do not stumble your way into a Heisman uh, or the number one overall pick, both of those. But what we are seeing now and what Kyler Murray's dedication to the game is that it can only get you so far. He is in the league with the top 1%, if that. It's probably less than that, of football players in the world. You are not a high schooler anymore. I know it's you went into school in Texas. You were one of the best. Texas prospects ever, but I, I happen to coach high school football and I will tell you what the threshold for what makes a good and bad high school football player is incredibly thin. Like high school football players have so many other better things to do than go out and play high school football. So it seems when you are in college, you are not uplifted by the power of your program, like Oklahoma or Alabama like you are competing against some guys who are playing at like Baylor has not been good for years and I, Baylor's coming back up now. But at the time, Kyler Murray was around. They were not that good. You got Baylor and TCU as your competition. Of course, you're going to succeed. And the only reasons that the Car- Cardinals would claim, make a claim like this into the final copy of a contract is because they believed that it was necessary. And the only reason that you signed the contract is because you believe that it would be fair. You would, your agent would have had to have seen this, argued with it, 
they would have argued back. In this, the four hours of, of, of study time had to have been the middle ground. Or you were just like, yeah, that's fair. I think I need to watch film. You cannot come out and, and point fingers at the media and talk about, like, they, they come out, players talk about and attack the media for the narratives that swirl around them. And the word narrative, the word media, they're buzzwords for players who are trying to, like, just talk about things. They're hollow. Who in the media before this contract put the narrative out that Kyler Murray's work of ethic was in question? Who in the media was saying explicitly that Kyler Murray did not watch enough film? The Cardinals said these things. That I mean, that's why we're talking about it. The Cardinals let the cat out of the bag that they do not believe in their quarterback's ability to win the football game over the last couple of years. The Cardinals have leaked reports in the past that Murray is both immature and not a very good leader. They brought in J.J. Watt because of that. We are not the media, and I don't don't know if I am the media. We're a small podcast. We are not creating stories because we want to pick on Kyler Murray. The media is reacting to the things that the Cardinals have now put in the public perception. This film narrative is going to stick with the Cardinals throughout, throughout the entire year. Every pick, every fumble, every incompletion will be because Murray doesn't watch enough film. The, the Twitter comedians are going to have a field day with this. He's toast. And last but not least, uh, Trey Lance, who has had a handful of mixed reports coming into this camp. Colin Cowherd, who is both a Trey Lance supporter and doubter. I think that that's the way he operates is he, he fields both areas and picks the one that comes out on top. He was very big on Trey Lance right before the draft, and, and a lot of people were. When it, when it turned out that Trey Lance was going to be the number third overall pick, it, it came out like he is a brainiac. He is a gifted athlete. The 49ers have absolutely made the right move. And since then, in camp, there have been a lot of mixed reports about Trey Lance's lack of ability when it comes to being a quarterback. I know that he's a smart guy. All of the tests would suggest that he's a smart guy. But all of the on-film tape, especially the lack thereof on-field tape, would suggest that he, of course, was going to be a project between last year and this year, you know, going into the season. I think it's funny that that everyone is so shocked about where Trey Lance is going to be this year. And right now, I think the expectations for Trey Lance are incredibly high. Kyler, or, uh, Kyle Shanahan is a brainiac. He is a football savant. He is the golden boy of the NFL. George Kittle is a top two player at his position. Debo Samuel is one of the most electric players in, in, at his position and in the league. Their defense is going to be absolutely fantastic. Kyle Shanahan has never made a bad coaching hire, I think, in his entire life, basically between McVay, LaFleur, Sala, all of these guys. I mean, they, they are 
he has always had a handful of talented people around him and has been able to draft talented people with John Lynch as well. And of course, the quarter the coach is going to go out there and back his future quarterback. He has to. There is no way that that Kyle Shanahan is not going to support or, or teeter expectations for Trey Lance. They traded a slew of first round picks to go and get him, including the third overall pick that they used to draft him, which is prestigious enough, let alone the trade package they had to do to, to trade up into it. They have now claimed that Jimmy Garoppolo would have been long gone if he had not been hurt, that they would have, that they would have shipped Jimmy out of the building as soon as possible. There is no chance that Jimmy is going to be the starting quarterback. There is no quarterback battle. Trey Lance is the guy for that team. And this is a team that had gone out and they had performed really well last year. They had, they had kicking into high gear towards the end of last year. Kyle Shanahan has always had this team in playoff contention. And Jimmy Garoppolo has taken this team as the quarterback to a handful of really, really good and deep playoff runs. Last year, they were in the NFC title game. And Trey Lance's expectation, or at least hit the bottom standard for him, is not to go out there and have a decent season where he is learning and kind of coming into his own, where he is understanding the pace of the game. He is now a second-year quarterback. And the second-year quarterbacks have been Lamar Jackson, MVP, Patrick Mahomes, MVP, right? Uh, Justin Herbert, almost a playoff quarterback. Joe Burrow, Super Bowl quarterback, and Trey Lance, who, whether you call it fair or not, between his expectations of his own team, the success of his own team, and the expectation of quarterback across the league, now has to go out there and play at a level that I don't think he can ever live up to. I don't think that Trey Lance is going to be a a, a player that takes them to the playoffs. Given the reports of everything that has come out, Given the lack of evidence that we've had from his college days, I mean, there is nothing that that would suggest that he is the level of quarterback that that was Matthew Stafford who won the Super Bowl, or Joe Burrow who made it, or Josh Allen, or Aaron Rodgers, or Patrick Mahomes. Those were the, like the four quarterbacks who were truly competing for for a Super Bowl, and, I, and Josh Allen didn't quite make it to the title game, of course, but. That's the standard, and I don't think he can do it. That's going to do it for today's episode. We appreciate you guys listening to everything that we do. If you guys have not already, go and listen to the Pissed Off episode that Jared and Lucas did earlier this week. I will keep doing No Days Off as long as there are things to talk about. Next week, I know we took the week off. We will be back with a five-man episode of the Lunch Pill Guys podcast. Go ahead and leave us a five-star review or, hell, whatever the hell you want us to to leave us and we appreciate the feedback we appreciate the engagement we want to hear from you guys follow us on instagram and tiktok and twitter at lunchbellguys underscore we love you 